That's John 1, verses 1 to 14, on page 1058. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was, in the beginning, with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all men might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, a very Merry Christmas to you all this morning. Please keep your Bibles open to John 1 as we um, work through the opening verses of John's gospel, it will be helpful to have it uh, in front of us. But let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you uh, this morning, this Christmas morning, in the name of your Son, who is our Savior. We pray that this morning our hearts would be encouraged by your word, our minds would be enlightened as we uh, understand how you have revealed yourself, how you have revealed your Son, and how you have described your people, which include uh, those of us here today. We pray that as we understand these things, uh, we would see Christ more clearly by the power of your Spirit, and that we would follow him wherever he might lead. We pray all of this again in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. So today is Sunday, um, which is... Wonderful and, and great. It's a day when we're, we're gathered together as God's people uh, to, to worship the, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, right? The, 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 the triune God. And we do that together. We do it weekly. And, and so much so that it becomes uh, somewhat routine. But it turns out today's also Christmas Day. And, and at least in the United States, that then makes it slightly unusual because we don't always gather together to worship on Christmas Day. In fact, we do it only about 14% of the time. That's one in seven, right? Um, so 
I don't know, I, I don't know how you felt this morning, but I, I've woke up, it's Christmas morning, and it was a little bit odd. I mean, there was uh, breakfast, cinnamon rolls, and, and uh, some gift opening, and, and some of the usual Christmassy things, but we knew, you know, at some point we've got to get dressed. We don't always have to get dressed on Christmas Day. Um, that tells you a lot about our family, but um, we, we, we have to get dressed, and we have to be publicly presentable and, and be with other people. Um, as I've read and, and looked and heard from other pastors, I've actually heard quite a bit this year that folks are not going to have services on Christmas. And that, as, as surprised as I am to find this is Christmas morning on a Sunday morning and we're gathered together for worship, I also note that not doing so would sort of miss the point. Uh, miss the point that is to say about Christmas. Uh, which is when we come and we celebrate the person and work of the Lord Jesus. See, Christmas is a big deal. It's a really big deal. It's a, it's a reality-changing, world-totalizing, completely-altering reality. Christmas is through our lives, whether we acknowledge it or not. In fact, all of, of creation, all of created life is affected by Christmas. Uh, again, sometimes we, we, don't, we don't recognize it, but it is. One silly and somewhat simple illustration of that is the way we date things, whether it's B.C. or A.D. You know, as very young students of history will be very frustrated as they think about it, B.C. stands for before Christ, and that's when the numbers count down. And you say, well, I'm moving forward. Why are the numbers going down? But it's, it's counting down until the Lord Jesus comes. We care about Christmas, and it is such a big deal, and we're gathered here to worship on Christmas Day, quite frankly, because we celebrate who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Today, as we look at the opening verses of John, we see the coming of Jesus. Now, there's not any swaddling cloths or, or angels or donkeys or shepherds uh, or, or wise men, but nonetheless, there, this is John's way of describing God, the eternal Son of God, becoming man. And, and it's a bit like he's pulled back the veil so that we can see more clearly things that we wouldn't otherwise understand. And it's where we get to see a picture of God's great love for us, which is manifest in the Lord Jesus. So today, as we're listening and we hear of, of God's love for us through the person and work of the Lord Jesus, may we rejoice at all that he's done, as we go over these familiar verses, may they wash over us and, and help us grow in our love for the Lord. And may we follow him wherever he leads. Now you'll note that John begins these words uh, with the, the, the statement, in the beginning. And if you're a, a, a Jewish hearer of, of that expression, you're going to be thinking about Genesis 1, where God says, uh, where Moses says, God created the heavens and the earth. And here John is saying the exact same thing. God created the heavens and the earth. But he says it a bit differently. 
He, he writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was in the beginning, or sorry, he was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Jesus is working with the same categories of Moses, except he's talking about this word. And, and commentators disagree on, on what exactly John is after. It's very clear from his gospel that he's ascribing uh, this character of the word, right? That this is Jesus in, in John's language. But what is he after? And, and what, we, what some commentators would suggest is that he's, he's trying to win Greek people and Greek philosophers to, to himself, drawing on some of their thought, and there might be merit to that. Or it could be that, that he's drawing on Old Testament language about God's wisdom and, and God's will enacted through time and space. And I, I certainly think that bears some weight too. W what's clear here is that he's describing this word who is Jesus and that this word is in the beginning. This word is with God. This word is God. That's a powerful statement. And, and it affects how we understand the way the world works, right? And, and it, it's made even more clear as we, we see that all things are made through this word. That means you and me and, and all things were made through the Lord Jesus. And there's something very interesting that, that is going on here, and I, I think this is the same thing Moses is trying to say in Genesis 1, is that when you make something, you own it. And so the Lord, having made all things, owns all things. He's in control of all things. He rules over all things. And I have to say, in, in, our, in our day, in our time, that's a very unpopular idea, that we have to, to submit to someone or something, or, or that there's something in control of us. But that's what John is laying out here. That this is a picture of Jesus as eternal son, dwelling forever with the Father, ruling all things. And, and we see that he's shining as a light into the darkness here in... Um, uh, verse 9 and, and before. We see that he's a light who, who is making known who God is, revealing who God is. We see that he's not just um, kind of intellectually revealing who God is, but we see that at the end of this check, uh, chunk of text that Jesus, the word, becomes flesh and dwells among us. He, it's, it's God who, who has eternally existed. It is, it is you know, the Son who is with the Father from before all time, who is divine, who takes on flesh and dwells. And it's not just a dwelling like to hang out. It's not just a dwelling like um, that he really likes to be my neighbor, and so we're going to walk through life together. Uh, it's, it's not that sort of, of language. It's a, it's a little bit of an odd word, actually, if we were to look at it. It doesn't translate neatly. Um, 
we know the word is as a noun, uh, to, uh, which is tabernacle, and it's as though John is, is saying that the Lord Jesus tabernacled with us. And, and that sounds strange to us. But what we understand is that in the Old Testament, the tabernacle was before the temple, and it was the, the structure that, that followed around with Israel wherever they would go, and, and it's there that the, the people could receive mercy from the Lord. So too is it with Jesus, that he is the eternal son of God who puts on flesh, and it is to Jesus that we go when we rece- to, to receive grace and mercy from the Lord. That's what we're celebrating here today on Christmas Day. That's the point. That's its purpose. We look at Jesus' birth and we rejoice because here is Emmanuel, God with us. Here is where we go to receive grace and mercy from the Lord. But as we think about the grace and mercy we receive, we're directed not from Christmas but, from, but to Easter. And this morning, uh, we, we read um, Isaiah 53 uh, as our Old Testament passage. And Pastor Tony in the, in the office said, um, you know that's the wrong holiday, right? That's not Christmas, that's Easter. And I said, yes, I know, exactly. But, but the, the, the reality is, we, we, the thing we need to remember is that, that Easter without Christmas is meaningless, but Christmas without Easter is pointless. To think of one means that we have to think of the other. If, if we don't, the whole message is lost. And situated between Christmas and Easter is Good Friday. It's when the, the Lord Jesus, the one whose birth we celebrate today, lays down his life to take away the sins of the people. And we see that described in Isaiah 53. I'm going to read just a few verses from Isaiah. It says that Uh, He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face. He was despised and we did not esteem him. When I I think about uh, the picture of Jesus in my brain, if I'm not real careful, I think of the picture that you see on on a lot of um, oil paintings of ruggedly handsome 1970s male model bearded Jesus with a white robe and children uh, at his knee. Um, But the picture from Isaiah is quite a different one. Um, The picture from Isaiah doesn't have the clouds behind with a crack and and a beam of of light coming down to to glorify Jesus. And and we do need to recognize that that does happen in the scriptures, that, that, that voices do come from the heaven and say, this is my beloved son. But at the same time, Isaiah presents a picture of a broken man, a hurting man, a wounded man. A man you don't really want to look at. And, and I'm sure you all have had this experience either with yourself or with your own kids where there's someone who's struggling in some way, shape, or form and you know, as a small child you don't understand what's going on and you're trying to figure it out but you know you're not allowed to ask and so you just stare and you say, what, what's going on? But adults know better, right? And they say, don't stare. And, and we, we just, we, we avert our eyes. 
That's the picture of Jesus here. That there's something gone wrong because he's bearing the sins of the people. And because he has the sins of the people upon him, he's bearing God's wrath. And he's wounded and he's broken and he's stricken. And were we to keep going on in, verse, uh, in Isaiah 53, there, there's some wonderful news. That because of what Jesus does, but because of what this suffering servant does, he's not listed among the sinners, but he shares in the inheritance of the great. In fact, the author of Hebrews says that, that his inheritance is, is far greater. He has a name above every name. And so we see this really interesting um, juxtaposition of of these two passages where John tells us this story of of the eternal son ruling forever who's made flesh and a baby that we celebrate today. Isaiah has this picture of a suffering servant, broken, who's humiliated, But then at the end, we see whispers that he's raised up. And as we follow through the the pages of Scripture, we see that that is in fact what happens. That on Easter, the Lord Jesus is raised. Sin and death have no power over him. And even now is seated at the right hand, ruling on high. Well, what does this mean? It, it means that, that Christmas and Easter go together to form a picture for our deliverance from sin. And because of that, we rejoice. We, 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 we are people marked by joy. It doesn't mean that, that, that suffering doesn't come to us. It doesn't mean that things always go our way. But it means that we're people who are redeemed. And we can't help but rejoice And I do recognize the irony of me staring you all down and saying you must be happy, right, Uh, without an ounce of joy myself. And but that's not what I'm 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 hope that I'm that I'm not doing. Uh, But rather I'm just recognizing the reality that Christmas and Easter together show our redemption as God's people, which is taking broken, sinful men and women who are dead in their sins and making them alive in Christ. There is no greater cause for joy. There is no greater cause for celebration, for gathering together and for giving one another gifts as an overflow of the joy we have. We could could spend time wrestling with what would it look like to to not have that joy. Um, But it's an oxymoron. To, to be a, a, a sour saint it doesn't quite work, right? I mean, we all are those from time to time, but, but as the course of our life, that just can't be. And if we look at the scriptures, the regular drumbeat of the scriptures is that because of the love that Christ loves us with, we then love one another. And the extent that we're called to love is the extent to which the Lord Jesus loves us. Now what happens after Christmas? What happens after Easter? 
right? We, we live in this, in this odd time where, where we are born sinners. We are, by the blood of Jesus, made saints. We, we, we celebrate our redemption, which is captured in Christmas and Easter together. We're, we're, we recognize that we're tasked to, to go and communicate that, but, but really, where do, we, where do we go? What do we do? How do we get through life now? Well, we do so with an eager expectation. We do so with a certain urgency. As we looked at our confession of faith this morning, it came from Philippians. And it presented a picture of the Lord Jesus' return. And, and it described that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. It, it's, it's actually it's the culmination of the two trajectories we see in John 1 and Isaiah 53. John 1, where the eternal son is brought low. Isaiah 53, where the suffering servant has a reward. And what we see is those two are, you know, they, they come to their, their conclusion in Philippians 2, which is where the Lord returns. And as the Lord returns to dwell with us, to, to continue as Emmanuel, he will rule as the king that he is. And all will know that he is the king. Some will, will bow down to him um, in, in devotion and out of great love and wonder that he has redeemed them. Others will bow to him in anger as part of God's wrath poured out upon him, up, upon them. Philippians 2 then is, is both equal parts awe-inspiring and terrifying. Philippians 2 uh, presents a picture of, of Christ's overarching rule and reign. And those that are his, it's wonder. And those that are not, it is terror. Well, how do we navigate those waters? Again, it, it is listed in, in John 1. We see in, in verse 12. But as many as received him, that's the Lord Jesus, to them he gave the right to be children of God, even to those who believe in his name. It is to say that those who believe in Christ, those who, who believe that Jesus is Messiah, the Redeemer, born today, right? Born to die, but born to rise again, having saved us, delivered us from our sins we're called children of God. And that means that we, we live in eager expectation of his return. Or we live with him, we dwell with him forever in perfect peace. So this morning, as, as we're considering Christmas, we situate Christmas with Easter and the Lord's return. Remembering that, that we are Sinners saved by grace, and that we receive that grace from the Lord in the Lord Jesus, Emmanuel. So today, as we celebrate that Messiah is born, may we remember that as Messiah, 
He's God's servant who will succeed, who has already succeeded. As Emmanuel, he is God with us. He's the eternal son who forever lives with us and gives us his grace. As you go and enjoy family, food, festivities today, remember that today's the day that the Lord was born. Remember that he was born to die. But rejoice that death couldn't keep him and death cannot keep you as you follow your Savior, Jesus. Amen.